0: In our third uh, week of our series, uh, the stories Jesus told, and um, today we're looking at, we'll be in, in Luke chapter 15, look at three stories, three parables that Jesus shared. And I believe that this message is for all of us here. We'll hopefully after this, uh, this message learn something because God wants to deposit something in our hearts uh, this evening. I've titled the name of my sermon, Lost and Found. Lost and Found, as we see, these are three parables that Jesus will be sharing. He's talking about lost and found. So we'll start the reading from, if you have your Bibles, or if you have your cell phones, or if you have your, anything that you have where you read the Word, just turn to Luke chapter 15, and then we'll be reading from verse 1 to 24 this evening. So starting from verse 1, Now the tax collectors and sinners... We're all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, "This man receives sinners and it's with them." You know, we find here yeah, they were they were they, they, they were tax collectors with Jesus, and tax collectors were people who were basically were, were getting money from a fellow Jews, and then they would get a share in return, and no one no one really likes them. Uh, because they thought they are sort of bad guys, colluding with uh, maybe the government at the time. So no one liked them. And then we find also other people here, the Bible describes them as sinners. Maybe they were in a synagogue or in the temple, and they were supposed to be there. And then they were hanging around with Jesus. Jesus was hanging around with the sinners. And then these guys, they, they, they liked them. He was never like them he was not a sinner. The fact that he was with them doesn't mean he was a sinner as well, but he was, uh, was amongst them and they enjoyed his company. So these Pharisees who were sort of keepers of the law at the time, they come to him, they grumbled in their hearts saying, Jesus, why does this man receive and eat with sinners? They, have, they had a problem with that, looking at Jesus, knowing him as a teacher and they associated with sinners. So in that response, Jesus says this to them. From verse 3, he says, so he told them this parable. So the next almost 28 verses of the book of, of Luke, Luke, uh, Luke 15, Jesus is addressing this question while they're grumbling. He's answering them. You know, when, when you read this, these parables on salvation, maybe you don't get the big picture. You don't get that Jesus actually answering a question. He's answering verse 2. That why are you hanging out with the sinners? He was basically answering them. And then Jesus being a master teacher, you could have just told them a straight, direct answer. And then maybe they probably understood or not understood. But no, he doesn't do that. But he gives them three stories. And what I like about stories or parables is is, is that you you, you cannot argue with a parable. You cannot say, no, this didn't happen because someone is still telling you a story. You cannot oppose to what they're telling them. If someone says, no, this and this happened, you you cannot say, no, it didn't happen because it's a parable. So Jesus wanted them to to listen to him first, and then we'll give them the answer at the end. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my ship that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over a 99 righteous person who needs no repentance. You know, they're asking him, basically what they're asking him, Jesus, why are you hanging out with sinners? That was the question that the Pharisees were asking Jesus. Why are you hanging out with, sort of, with, with, with bad guys? And Jesus addresses that by telling them a story first and asks them a question. Which one of you, having hundred sheep, they could relate to the story at the time, because I'm sure most of them had ship at the time. Which one of you, if you have hundred sheep and one get lost, will not live in 99 in an open field and go search for that one ship? And then we assume that most of them will probably agree and nod their head. No, I think I, think, I, think I will do that. I think I will do that as well. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will go search for my lost sheep. And then we give them a punchline. And he tells them that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who needs no repentance. But Jesus telling them the story of a lost sheep is actually answering their question. And I believe that Jesus was telling them about himself as the great shepherd, that Jesus will live in 99 in the search for that one person. Jesus will live in 99 to search for you. If you are lost somewhere, Jesus will live everything in search for you because everyone is significant, everyone is important in Jesus' eye. And when the shepherd finds the sheep, he doesn't reprimand the sheep. He doesn't kick the sheep all the way back. Like, where did you, where are you coming from? Where are you coming to whip and giving the sheep a whip? No, he doesn't do that. But he carries the sheep. He puts it on his shoulders. And he takes it back to where he's supposed to be. Just like Jesus, our good shepherd. When he finds us, he carries us. When we are wounded, when we are in our place of, 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 of trouble, wherever we are, Jesus, he doesn't reprimand us. But he carries us and, put us and puts us on our shoulders. And I would encourage you this morning, this evening, that if you're carrying something, if you're wounded, Jesus is here to carry you. Then he then tells them about the story of a, of a lost coin. From verse 8, he says, Or oh, what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house? And seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of of God over one sinner who repents. You know, just as the the, the, the shepherd was touched by the story of, by, by by his lost sheep, so is this woman is touched by the story of a lost coin. We don't know what the significance this coin had in her life, but we know that it must have had tremendous significance that she had to light the house, search for that one coin after 10, and look for it, and make sure that she finds it, turns the room, the room, the room upside down looking for that coin. They didn't understand that Jesus is still talking about himself. Jesus is that woman, so to speak, and you are that coin. He will clean the room. He will make sure that he searches for us. He searches for us. I'm sure maybe some of them, they were probably nodding as well, like we get the story. Because if someone tells you a parable, you cannot say, no, 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 she didn't look for the coin. It's a story, it's a parable. So they had to listen to him. So while they're still listening and nodding, probably agreeing with him, and he tells them the punchline again, and says, so I tell you, there is joy before angels of God over one sinner who repents. He's still addressing their question from verse 2, why hang you out with sinners? Maybe he saw that, no, 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 maybe, maybe they're not getting it, they're not getting it. Let me tell them a third story now. Let me tell them a third parable. So he moves on in verse, in verse 11, he says, and he said, there was a man who had two sons. You notice here the story. It started from one, from loss, from one in a hundred to a hundred sheep. There was loss of one. It moved to one in ten. Now it's getting more personal from one in two. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. They squandered his property in reckless living. And when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pots that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my fathers had servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will rise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hard servants. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. Jesus, why you hang up with sinners? He goes into details. He tell them these three stories. But what is the significance of these stories? I think there must be something common with these three stories that Jesus had to share while answering this question. I believe there's four things, there's four threads that are common in all these three stories that we're going to unpack this evening. The first one is that people are lost. We find the lostness in all these stories there's a lost ship. There's a lost coin and there's a lost son. People are lost. We're not talking about being lost by taking a wrong turn when you're going somewhere and you can't find a way. No, we're not talking about that loss, But talking about being lost by, by being spiritually lost. So you find yourself in a place where no one can take you out. Only divine intervention can take you out from your lostness, wherever you are. There are people who are like that today. There are people who are lost. That's what Jesus was talking about about being lost, not about being physically lost. The story of a ship tells us about being lost or wandering from a path, or wandering away from a path. You find that there are people, is a group of people, and the ship, or the group of ship, whatever it is, and then it wanders off the way. That's being lost, that's one part of being lost. But another part of being lost is a coin, being lost and covered in debt, you lost somewhere. There's clutter all over you. You are lost in debt. You are in the room somewhere, but you are lost. Because there are things or there are sin, the sin that is covering you. You are there, but you are lost. The coin was in the room, but it was lost. She couldn't find it. And the son tells us about being lost in a different way. Loss of, of a life. But this is a metaphor because the son didn't die. But he was lost in another way. There's a couple of ways I think the son was lost that you're going to look at this evening. The son was lost because he he didn't live the way he should. So is us. Sometimes we don't live like the way we should. We know the way we're supposed to live, but we don't. The son, he didn't want restrictions of his father's household. He didn't want father telling him what to do. So he wanted his own freedom. He wanted to do whatever he wanted, whenever he wants to do. He didn't feel like, he felt like being in, in, in his father's household, it was sort of constricting him somehow. He wanted his own liberty. And so is many of us today. People want freedom. People want to be free. People want to do whatever they want. That's why you find young kids at home, they do whatever they want. They want to listen to your parents because people, they want freedom. They want, to be, they want to be constricted by rules and regulations. You know, when we find ourselves not doing what God wants us to do, we are lost in that regard. The son was lost in that way, number one, by doing his own things. But he was also lost in such a way that he didn't love like he should. He only loved his father because he wanted something from him. He wanted his inheritance. As soon as his father gave him inheritance, he took it and ran away and squandered everything. So his relationship with the father was so that he can get something out of, out of the father. Sometimes so many of our relationships, we also like that. We form relationships with people because of something we can get out of those relationships. Whether it may be status, whether it may be financial gain, whatever it is. We don't love selflessly like God loves. We don't love like the father loved his son. We love because he wants to get something. We love like a son in this story who loved the father because he wanted to get something. And the son was lost as well because he put other things before God. You know, he had to make a choice whether to, 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 choose, to choose the Father or to choose Father's things. But he made a choice. He chose Father's things. He chose the inheritance instead of the Father. And it's so common with us. We choose things. We choose positions. We choose God's blessings than God himself. We want blessings, but we don't want the giver. We want the created things, but we don't want the creator. You know, God gives us all these things. He gives us money, nature, relationships, sexuality. But we turn back on God and we put these things in a pedestal. We elevate them more than God. But these things are just mere blessings for us. We should never run for positions, we should never run after these things. We should not substitute God with any other thing. Like the son wanted inheritance and substituted the relationship with the father that he has because of inheritance. You know, these things, it it will leave us empty and being enslaved. When the son was running away, he thought, you know what, There's there's a bright future somewhere. But he didn't realize that there's no freedom outside the father's presence. And there can never be freedom, even for us today, outside the Father's presence. Maybe we can succeed for a couple of days, we can succeed for a couple of weeks, we can succeed for a couple of years, but we can never make it. We can never make it outside the Father's presence. Even the son realized that, that all these things were just temporary. All these things that, 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 that I took from the Father were just temporary. What, what I really need is my Father's presence. And when he came to his senses, he said to himself, you know what, I will go back to my father. And say, father, make me even one of your hard servants. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Because he realized that outside the presence of the father, he is nothing. And it's so true for us today. We can't make it outside the father's presence. The second thread in these three stories is that people are loved. What effect this lostness had on these three stories? We find that the shepherd was shattered by the loss of his ship. He went on searching for this one ship. You can imagine his friend meeting him on the way, asking him, Hey, what? what are you doing? What are you looking for? They said, No, I'm looking for my one ship that is lost. And they tell him, Hey, no, man, you know what? Get over it. It's only one ship. You still have 99. But no, 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 no. He is not looking at the numbers. He doesn't care that uh, he's got 99, but he's thinking of a relationship that he has with the ship. He probably knew the ship from which he was born. Maybe he carried the ship when it was young, and he nurtured it, and he tended the ship. And he says, no, 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 no. no. Even this one matters to me. I want that one. That's what Jesus does. He knows each and every one of us. He knows each and every one of us. He knows when we are bo- He knows us before we were born. That's why we lived in 99 in the search for you. When you go wandering around, Jesus will not rest until he finds you. You know, Jesus is, also, is, is on that point of why are you hanging out with bad people? He's telling them, I'm hanging out with them because they are love." They are loved by me. I'm hanging out with them because I love them. I'm hanging out with them because I can. I want a relationship with them. That's why he's hanging out with with non-believers because he loves them. Because he has love for each and everyone. Jesus loves us even this evening. He knows each and everyone. He knows our needs. The Bible says even the hair in our heads are numbered. He knows us. He knows our needs. He knows your family. He knows your, your neighborhood. He knows everyone. And He cares for each person. He cares for our kids. He cares for everyone. Even for us this evening, Jesus loves us. And He tells them that that thread in this story is that people are looked for people are looked for. You know, there's one thing that is worse than being lost. Being lost is something else. It feels terrible being lost wherever you are. Being lost, whether you're lost in sin, where you're lost wandering around, is one thing. But being lost and no one cares that, you're being, that you are lost is a different thing. It's a terrible thing. When no one cares, no one searches for you. No one is lost. No one has interest on you. That is, that is that's a terrible thing. Maybe it's better being lost but being lost and no one cares, but it's not the same with Jesus. He tells us here that the shepherd had to leave 99 in search for that one sheep. The woman has to light the house, light the lamp and sweep the house and search for that corner until she finds it. And the father tells us here, he tells us that the father, when the son came, He saw him from a distance. We get an impression that the father was probably standing there in his his house, wherever he was, maybe every day, looking out for his son, searching for him, hoping that he will come back one day. He may not have ran after him, but he was looking out From this, The father was longing for his son to come back. Otherwise, he wouldn't have noticed him when he came. Maybe would have, if 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 he didn't care, would have just seen him when he knocks at the door. Like, hey, Father, I'm here. Like, hey, you're back. But no, no, no. He saw him at a distance, which means he was searching for him. People are looked for. Jesus is looking for, is searching for people. He's searching for people who are lost. People who are lost are close to his heart. And number four. The last thread, if found, they are celebrated. If found, they are celebrated. You know, there are people who, are, who have wandered off the path, living their own way. And they are scared to come back. Because when they come back, maybe they'll be reprimanded. You know, I remember as a child, maybe we used to go and play and then come back late at night after six when it's dark like this. You, 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 you come back to the house and, you, and, 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 and you're scared. Because you know what might happen, you know? They may be a whip uh, under, the, under the bed or something. But no, 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 it, 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 this story is it, it, it's not like that. But when the, when, when the, when the son came back and he was still trying to explain, Father, no, I'm not waiting to be called. Like the father wasn't even interested in that. But the father went straight and said to his servant, bring quickly the best robe. And put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to celebrate. When you come back home, God celebrates. The shepherd, when he found his sheep, he celebrated the woman, when she found the corn, she celebrated. The father, when, she, when he found his son, he celebrated. When you come back home, Jesus celebrates for your arrival. He doesn't re- remind you. He doesn't ask you, where have you been? Where do you come from? But with arms open wide, he embraces you and say, welcome home. Welcome home. You know, the story tells us that the father said they must put the best robe. And the best robe, I believe that when, 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 when you come back home, when you come, when, when you come to faith, when, you're when you come to faith, Jesus put a, his best robe on you. He put his best robe on you. He said, welcome home. He welcome you to the kingdom of God. He takes away your sinful status. He gives you his righteousness status. And you are accepted by God. Because Jesus has put a rope on you of righteousness. When God sees you, he doesn't see sin anymore, but he sees Jesus through you. The point is, if found, there's a celebration. He sums it up in verse 10 when he says, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus was trying to tell them that there's nothing that makes God's heart beat more with joy than one person coming home. God will throw a party in heaven for that one person. God will throw a party in heaven. Everything will stop just for you. And God will say, son, my daughter, welcome home when you come back. That's why Jesus is hanging out with people, with, 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 with people who are, who are bad people in a way of their time. Because when, you want, when they come back, he wanted to celebrate them. So Jesus, when you come back, he wants to celebrate you. So let's bring this to a, to a close. Let's bring it to a land. So what does it mean for us today? What are these three parables that Jesus told more than 2,000 years ago? What does it mean to come yet, come home? It doesn't matter what you have done in your life but what matters is what he has done for you. He has taken your sins upon himself. There is space for you in God's family. Come to the one who knows you best. Come to the one who loves you most. Don't spend another day outside his presence. Don't spend another day outside Father's presence, but come to him. If you haven't come home yet, come. That's what, Jesus, that's what these three stories are telling us today. But maybe we're sitting here, we say, you know what? I have already come. I'm in God's family already. If you have already come, that is great. But, but we, I believe we can also learn something as a family of believers. If it's true that we were lost as well, we were lost in such a way that we couldn't save ourselves, but Jesus had to come and die for us, that should make us humble. We should live our lives with a humble status. We should be humble to the dust. We should be humble when we think about what Jesus has done for us. We should never live our lives thinking we're better than anyone else. We should never live our lives thinking some people are more inferior than us, but we should live a humble lives. If it's true that you are loved, that Jesus was willing to die for us, then it should, that should make us confident. We must have this confidence in us. We must live with confidence. That the greatest being in the world will rather die than to live without us. No longer do we need to find our identity in created things, but we can find our identity in him. We should live with confidence. If it's true that we are looked for, if it's true that we are lost and he sought for us until we are found, then we should be grateful. We should live our lives being grateful. We should be grateful that he came to his world to save us. Because if he didn't come, we're going to be separated from God forever. were We're going to be separated from God for eternity. But now we are short that we'll spend our eternity with him because he came. We should be grateful. And if it's true that when we come, we are celebrated, then we should celebrate God as well. We should live our lives celebrating him. Just like this father celebrated his son, our response will be to celebrate him as well and say, Father, thank you. Celebrate him for his grace. Celebrate him for his kindness. Whenever we wake up, we should have this celebration and say, God, thank you, Jesus. Number three, open wide your hearts to people far from God. You know, maybe when you read these stories, Especially the, the, I think the, I think the most famous one is the prodigal son or the lost son. Most people know the story, but you know it's in isolation. We don't know that Jesus is actually addressing the question of why you hang out with bad people. That's why he told these stories. He spent time with people away from God, and so should every one of us. He opened his height, his life, his doors to people far from God. And we get to do the same. We should never live in isolation. We should never never form groups. No, we're just going to hang out as Christians. We're not going to have Christian friends. No, no, no. That that was was not Jesus' heart. And he says he does not want us to live like that. He wants us to be amongst non-believers. He wants us to impact non-believers. We should never live our lives far from people. He went to great length explaining this. Because it was important for him to be amongst non-believers. It's important for us. We don't do it because we have to. We don't do it because out of compulsion. But we do it because we want to. We live humble lives. As we live humble, confident, grateful, and celebrated lives, our hearts start to sink with his heart. We start to love people who are far from God. We start to look for people who are far from God and we start to celebrate them when they come home. Going back to the question that they asked Jesus, and I'm asking each of us tonight why do you hang out with people far from God? Because people are lost, people are loved. People are looked for because when they are found, they are celebrated. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for these stories. Thank you for these words that are so powerful. Thank you, Father God, that you love us so much, that you sought for us, that you are searching for us. Thank that when you come home, you celebrate us. Father, we pray that, I want to pray for those people living tonight who want to come home. That the door is wide open. That there is space for them. Your word says there are many rooms in my father's house. If it were not so, I would have told you. Lord Jesus, you are ready to welcome anyone home. I pray, Father, that each and every one of us may live humble, grateful lives thanking you every day of what you have done for us. Thank you for your word. Amen.